Big news on the defects front, Sue. Yes, absolutely. Um, The New South Wales government is acting to start auditing a lot more buildings than they usually do, than they have been doing over the last six months. Okay, because we saw that report last week about how a huge percentage of defective buildings were certified by like six different certifiers. That's right. About a third of risky buildings by, by the same six kind of often repeat offending certifiers. So well, yeah, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about big, big new development. Um, and I'm going to be answering a question that Sue asked last week and I went off track <laughs> and answered a completely different one. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams and I write about property for domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. Just as we were about to sit down and record this podcast, a press release came in from New South Wales Fair Trading, Sue, and it's got big news. That's right. Um, Kevin Anderson, the Minister for Better Regulation, has launched a data-led audit regime to target the state's high-risk building certifiers and triple the number of buildings to come under scrutiny by the building regulator. What sort of numbers are we talking about? Well, at the moment, um, there's a pre-occupational certificate audit regime right. and they target around 50 site-based audits every six months. Uh-huh. But with this new regime of audits, they're expecting to be able to audit an additional 100 to 150 buildings every six months. Right. which more than triples the regulator's compliance and enforcement efforts on residential apartments. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's a big that's, jump. That's huge. Mm. So they're, they're basing this on what, sort of new data or an, uh, analysing data they've already have? Well, they've got apparently new digital tools <laughs> right? Okay. where they can analyse the data really effectively because apparently they've got so much data coming in They've got something like 170 million lines of data to to look at certifiers and the apartment buildings they're working on. But now they've got these new ways of looking at those um, data and analysing it to work out, you know, which certifiers are perhaps the most likely to to re-offend. Right. And then look at them and their performance and maybe move them away from buildings or look at them much more closely when they're looking at buildings. So what they're doing is using the existing data on buildings that have been problematic and the people who certified them. Yes, that's right. To then look at the buildings that are being certified Mm. by the same problem certifiers. Yeah. So maybe then they'll take action against those certifiers. I, I don't know what they plan to do with that data. Well, they can move in, can't they? They can yeah. look, they can send their own expert surveyors in and look at where the work might be going wrong. So basically what we're t- talking about, it sounds like, is they're using the information they already have about the uh, certifiers, looking at the buildings they're working on and saying, right, we need to focus on these buildings because they are more likely to be problematic. Sure. And as we know, developers can hand-pick their own certifiers. Yeah. So they may have uh, looked at a developer who they feel has been problematic in the past, Mm. look at their certifier and say, look, okay, we want to give you a different certifier. We want you to appoint a different certifier. Is that what they're saying, that they're going to force them? No, they're not. But we're kind of looking at what they could possibly do with this new information. We don't really know. 
but we now know that they're going to be looking at all this data and then they'll be able to see problem areas and we're just speculating on what they can do about those problems. Because I, I think they're more likely to go in and say, we're going to put all your work under the microscope here. Mm. And what, it doesn't matter who the certifier is. If a government-appointed surveyor comes in and goes, this work is not good enough, then this, if the certifier goes ahead and certifies it, then they're, they're probably going to lose a license. Yeah. And I don't think many certifiers have lost their licenses for a while. No. Mm, no. You know, it doesn't happen very often. No, because so. there hasn't been the regime of checking them and, and making sure. And that's why, I mean, it all goes back to that stupid, stupid decision to allow developers to appoint their own certifiers. Yeah. And then on the assumption that the certifiers would do the right thing. Mm. And it's like these are decisions made by people who have never, ever worked in industry in any way shape or form and don't realize that there are people out there who if they can cut corners and cheat will do so that's right because we've heard about people certifying work you know certifying electrical work and they're a carpenter and yeah. we've heard about electricians having to certify membrane work in yeah, bathroom, plumbing stuff you know? yeah so it's just been a crazy situation and you think all those buildings that have terrible defects in the past None of that might ever have happened if that decision hadn't been made about the certifiers in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it, mm. well, it absolutely comes back to that. I mean, it all, it all stemmed from a push by developers to say, you need more housing in the state, we want to build more housing, but we've got all this red tape mm. that stops us from doing the work. And the government then said, okay, well, let's reduce the, the red tape. But there's a, a reason for these restrictions, and it's to stop cowboys from building crap buildings that's right and you can refine the building protocols without necessarily increasing the amount of red tape you just have yeah. to resource them properly yeah and if anybody has a history of cheating get them out of the business get them mm. out of the industry don't mm. allow them ever to be near a building site ever again yeah that's right and it's interesting because in the press release they say that this finally shifts the new south wales government away from investigating problems in existing buildings to trying to identify and eliminate problems before they occur, which is which has always been necessary. You know, yeah. why couldn't they have done that years ago? Well, you know, the, the, as we said and we said last week, it costs between five and ten times as much to fix a defect after the building is completed as it does to fix it while the building is being built. Mm. So it's an economy thing, even for the developers. I mean, the developers, there are plenty of developers out there who can, who understand this, who know that if there are things found wrong with their buildings, they will be around to fix them. But what it does is it puts the onus or the focus back on the developers who've got no intention of being around when the problems arise, who can go, right, well, let's just stick mm. it all up, put it all together. Mm. You know, and I, I was talking to, we had our bathrooms done recently, I was talking to a plasterer and and he said they go in and do the show house, and this is houses as well as apartments, yeah. they do the show house for the sales team and they have the surveyors and the architects and everything and the salespeople watching everything they do in minute detail so that mm. everything is perfect. Yeah. Then they move on to build the houses and the same people are coming to them and say, you've got to finish this quicker. Right. Just slap it on, get get it done, get it out of the way. And he said, you wouldn't believe the deterioration with some developers between the show property 
and the actual property that they're selling to people. Sometimes he said it's it's literally falling down while you are building it. Oh my God. But we've seen lots of display suites, which are absolutely incredible. Mm. And then when you see the photos of the finished apartments, they bear so little resemblance yeah. <laughs> to the yeah. template. It, it's extraordinary. And then you look at the contracts that people are expected to sign, and it's things like the brochure is not an indication of the yes. finished product. Yes. Because somebody at one point, and somebody we know actually, went to the developer in a new apartment and said, here's a picture of how you said this apartment Mm. was going to look. And here's a picture of how it actually looks. And I bought on the basis of that brochure. So you need to fix this and and put it back to what it was. And they went to court and the the developer said, well, the brochure was just an an artist's impression of what it would look like. But I think they lost. I think Mm. the court said, well, you didn't say it wasn't going to look like this. So, But now they do in the contract. They say it's the artist's impression is just an indication of what it might be like. Because I remember doing a story about a young man who'd bought a one-bedroom apartment and when he'd gone actually to look at the one-bedroom part, it didn't have a one-bedroom. It didn't have a separate bedroom. Right. It was just one studio apartment with a glass sliding door between the bedroom and the lounge room. Right. And uh, it wasn't the same size at all. So yeah. it was kind of a completely and utterly different apartment. But style. those were the days where they were changing stuff, shape-shifting. So <laughs> you went and you, you put your deposit down you, two years later, three years later, you go and look at the apartment. It's nothing like what you've paid for. And they say, well, that's fine. Here's your deposit back. And your deposit back then was worth a lot less, certainly in terms of buying into the market. Yeah, because apartment prices back then were rising so rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't get that so much now. But, you know, the pr- house prices have gone crazy now. Yeah, but apartment prices are still lagging behind. Well, some of them are because we're mm. going to be talking about some of the more incredible apartment Mm. prices in Sydney and that's after this and we're back and a couple of things on the apartment front first of all we're starting to see the sales figures for apartments in the Barangaroo that huge tall building near Darling Harbour in Sydney James Packer's casino building yeah Yeah. and and what are the, the prices like Sue? Oh, yeah, because I think the prices have been closely guarded for a while now. But the first prices have just come out. Um, There was a three-bedroom apartment on level 43, and this building is 77 levels. Right. Guess how much? Three-bedroom, level 43, uh, five and a half million? Mm, No. (laughs) (laughs) Double that, and then add some. What? 13.5 million. Incredible. For a three-bedroom apartment halfway up a building. Yep, that's right. We assume the higher you go in the building, the more it's going to cost you. But Mm. maybe there's a point where people go, that's about as high off the ground as I want to be. Yeah, maybe. It is the tallest building in Sydney by far, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I I really don't know. That's probably worth looking into for next (laughs) week. (laughs) But it is huge, and it Mm. sticks out on the skyline. You see it from miles away. Yeah. No, well, the apartments start much more reasonably, you know, um, right. for for people like us, really. There's a two-bedroom, two-bathroom unit, 9.5 million. 9.5, yeah. yeah. So, it's, uh, so people like us, have you 
suddenly, did you win the lottery <laughs> over the weekend and you've been keeping it quiet from me? Well, the building is worth $2.2 billion. So but $9.5 million for a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah, it's astonishing. I mean, I pr- presumably the finishes are just incredible and, you know, it's luxury and... Do they have balconies? I you know, from the outside, you, you wouldn't can't be able really to have that. them after a, 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 a above a certain height. We can see the Horizon Building from here, and uh, I think above the is it the fifteenth floor or the twentieth floor? They have to have their furniture, their balcony furniture, weighted down, weighted or, or bolted onto the balcony because it could literally blow off and some right. of the high winds up there. Yeah. And I mean, with an apartment, I love having a balcony. I find it really hard without one. So I don't know if I'd even pay a couple of million if I had to spare a couple of million for an apartment at Barangaroo. I mean, if you're a really big gambler, maybe you'd love going there if the casino ever ends up being built there. I think if you buy buy an apartment for (laughs) 16 million uh, on the 40th floor, you're a gambler. (laughs) Whether, you, whether or not you've been in a casino. That's a very good point. We have a very good view of all the skydivers landing at Randwick Racecourse. You'll be able to see them jumping out of their aeroplanes. and mm. You have a very good view of just about everywhere. And as the apartments go up higher in the building, they obviously do reach higher prices. There's, there's been one sold for $22 million now. Wow. Mm. I mean, that's the kind of prices we, people would pay for a mansion, you know, in Point Piper and places like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how 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 big that one was, but it's probably a, a two-level apartment as well. Yeah. And that was bought by um, a developer. Oh, really? Know, not associated with the building, but another kind of developer, which shows perhaps the kind of money they earn making yeah. their own developments. And if developers are buying into the building, maybe it means that it's going to be a good investment. And talking about developers, you came across a story about a big new development in, in Campbelltown. Yes, that's right. It's a huge development that's going ahead, and that's by A-Land. Right. And we kind of know a bit about A-Land. We do. <laughs> now, you've met them. You've met the developers, and you I thought have. they were okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I They seem to be pretty pretty good, and the building commissioner who I was with at the time seemed to be pretty impressed by them as well. Right. Um, they are involved in the court case um, because they've been building the building next door to the Mascot Towers. Ah, and so Mascot Towers have been saying that it's A-Land's excavation works that have caused their building to crumble. And A-Land are saying, no, the, the building was already crumbling before we came. Because it had already had defects, yes. Right. So we don't know the outcome of that. <clears throat> so, But that's all we know really about A-Land. But they've put in an application and it's just been improved for a massive development yeah. of 899 apartments. Why wow. 899? Why not 900, Jimmy? Um, but that's going to be a built. very good question. <laughs> that's goes, I suppose, just as you have prices for 999 rather than yeah. you know, maybe it just yeah. sounds a lot less than. So they went to the council and said, "We go, we want to have 899 apartments," and the councillors are presumably thinking, "Boo, I'm glad it's not 900. Yeah. That would have been way too much." <laughs> That's right. So that's going to be six towers at Campbelltown in the right. southwest of Sydney. Yeah. <clears throat> um, named after Elizabeth Macquarie, her maiden name, Campbell. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Getting back to your book, yeah. Elizabeth and Elizabeth. Let's, right. let's not miss any opportunity to mention that. <clears throat> well, I'm tr- I'm trying to take on the lessons that you've helped teach me about promotion. Oh, right. I um, hadn't realised I'd done that. <laughs> 
So yeah, it's um, it could be given final approval by the New South Wales government in a in a few weeks. It's, it's, it's such a huge thing; it would require uh, the planning department to approve it. I'm sure. Mm. Now you say that David Chandler seemed to be very impressed. David Chandler, being the building commissioner, was impressed with the A-Land developers at a development you went to. Mm. Where was that? Um, that was in Schofields in the northwest of Sydney. Right. And were you impressed northwest, with it? Northwest. Yeah, it seemed pretty good. Um, we went through and we looked at the membranes and we checked the corking. Corking. And we checked something else by tapping all right. Coins on it to check the the tiles. Oh yeah, the tiles as well, but also the molding things. Moldings in the right. in the bathrooms. Right. But yeah, he seemed to be pretty impressed, and he was sort of he can't obviously recommend certain developers, but he was saying that he felt these guys were doing a pretty good job. Right. But with this new development, I mean, you've got six high-rise towers, so there's going to be about 150 apartments in each one. Yep. Presumably, each would have a, their own strata plan, wouldn't they? Oh, They'd have God. an overarching... Well, this is going to be a problem for... And this is not just this development. There will be, for instance, often when you have several towers as part of the same project, they share things like underground parking. Mm. So that immediately you've got to have a community scheme as well as the individual strata schemes. So you get the strata scheme for each building but you have an overriding strata scheme. Remember we looked at a building down in Alexandria once, and it was part of a big scheme. And the the contracts that we were given were so complicated because they had multiple strata entities in it. It filled a ring binder. Yes, that's and, right. And our conveyancer said, they've only given me two weeks, or they've only given me a week to go through this. He said, I couldn't possibly go through all this. It's going mm. to take three weeks. And the developer said, no, you can't have that time. Yeah, which is crazy. Isn't it, it is crazy. So yeah. we pulled out of that sale and we would have made a fortune if we'd <laughs> stayed in it. But, you know, it's a gamble. I mean, they give you that much documentation because it gets really complicated. What happens in a lot of places is you have the strata committee for each building nominate somebody to go on the strata committee for the overarching project. And you can find that your building is subjected to rules that the people in your building don't want to be subject to. Mm. And also we've had situations where a complex might have a number of buildings and some buildings have more representation on that overarching committee than other buildings. Yes. And so that becomes a problem. And some buildings might be like much more luxurious and much more expensive, but they feel they have lesser say in the whole complex than buildings that might be made up of um, studio apartments. Mm. Well, one of the classic cases was at uh, Jackson's Landing, where the developer went in. There was like four little terrace houses that they were going to keep, and they did keep. But the people in there... They said, you can be on the committee for the overarching development. And each of them, I may may have got this wrong, but I'm pretty sure each of the people in the houses had a seat on the committee and each of the big buildings had a seat on the committee. And so for a while, the people in the terraced houses were setting the rules for the whole of the scheme. That's right. (laughs) I think that's changed now, but that's one of these funny little anomalies you can get. And the other one was the recent one with, remember the people we spoke about, oh, about 
a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, they had a no dogs policy in their building, and that was challenged on the grounds of the the no pet bylaws being unreasonable. Yeah. And the tribunal said, no, it's this is not a blanket pet ban. It's this is no dogs, and people can have that. Now that was one building in a group of buildings, and the other buildings didn't have any bans on pets at all. That's right. So they were being governed by rules that they hadn't agreed to. Yeah. 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 And also, there's often a, only a certain number of people allowed on that overarching committee. Yeah. And when you have big um, complexes and they're adding buildings on as they go, yeah. sometimes they run out of spaces. Yes. So you end up with a whole building of people that don't have any say at all yeah. <laughs> in what happens in the Well, complex. because they put a limit of nine on the yeah. strata committees and community title committees. And so if you've got 10 buildings, one of them doesn't have any representation. Mm. So so good luck, Campbelltown people. <laughs> you've got yeah. some interesting times ahead of you. Mm. It, it is interesting. I, I guess Campbelltown, the, the median price of an apartment is not very high. Right. Um, Certainly not 16.5 million for a three-bedroom. No, not quite that, that high, absolutely. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's hard because it might be people getting their, you know, the first foot on the ladder of the, the property ladder. Yeah. And um, they often don't know very much about apartment living and it might be kind of quite tough for them going forward. But hopefully not. Hopefully yeah. it's going to be a bright new future with some great housing now. Well, by the time it's built, we'll hope that there'll be no problems with defects anywhere. Yeah. And fair trading will actually do what they should be doing and go in at the beginning of a building and say to the owners, this is what you need to look out for, this is what you need to do, this is how this works, and yeah. not leave it up to the the developers or the building managers or the strata managers to convince the owners that they should do things one way rather than another. Mm. And fair trading really lets the consumers down by not being proactive in that way. They're chasing around broken toys and dodgy mechanics, and they should have a whole education program ready to go so that when a building is ready to go to its first AGM, every owner has already had a package of information and then been invited to a meeting that is run by fair trading or the local council and not by the developers. I mean, the developers could be fine, but it just puts so much opportunity for misinformation and non-information to get out there. That's right. And it would provide so much more transparency, so much more trust in the system and give people a lot more confidence in the apartment industry as a whole. And on that note, when we come back, I'm going to answer the question that Sue asked last week. Will the big insurers ever come back into apartment blocks? That's after this. So, Jimmy, last week I asked whether the big insurers will ever come back and start insuring buildings over three stories ever again. Yep, you did. And And I um, wandered off talking about the insurance for buildings under three stories and the lack of insurance for buildings over three mm. stories and never answered the question. And it's quite interesting because it comes back to our original point in the podcast. I, oof, 15 months ago, was talking to David Chandler and he was outlining his vision, targeting the dodgy developers, encouraging the good developers and hoping that somewhere in the middle of all this, the bad ones will just go to the wall and they won't become a problem anymore. 
and obviously this thing of data collection and and um, certifiers is part of all that. And his idea was that at some point, when it was clear that the whole building process had been improved and the certification process had been improved, that he could then go to the big insurers and say, look, there's a business opportunity for you here. The risk factor has been reduced tremendously. Will you come back in and insure these buildings? Mm. And the corollary of that is if they were to say, yes, we'll do that, but we will choose the buildings we're going to insure, then the crappy developers, the last of the crappy developers, would not be able to get insurance. So the buyers would always choose the towers that were able to get insurance rather than those that couldn't. You wouldn't have compulsory building insurance. It would be an option. And in some cases um, already, there are some developers who offer insurance on the building itself, or the construction insurance, I suppose you'd call it. So you would have buildings where, you know, literally you could have two buildings side by side that looked almost identical. And one of them, because they were with a reputable and reliable developer, had insurance from a big company. And the other one didn't have insurance, but the apartments might be cheaper. Which one are you going to go for? And, okay, you can go for the cheaper apartment, but you know you're taking a risk. Mm. And that would be part of their marketing uh, strategy as well, to say this building construction is fully insured for the next 10 years or whatever. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, they will. If David Chandler's plan keeps moving forward at the pace it's moving, um, yes, the big insurers will come in. It's a business opportunity for them. The risk factor is reduced. And for the consumer, it's a great thing. Yeah, well, it's pretty great news all round, isn't it, really? Yeah, I and mean, what, what a dynamic figure. He's he's basically just applying a lot of common sense and logic and honesty and transparency to the business. And these are elements that have been sadly lacking for the past 20 or 30 years. Mm. All right, finally. It's only taken me a week to answer your question, yeah. but there it is. <laughs> Thank you for taking the trouble, James. Well, I've been feeling guilty all week, but now my guilt has been lifted from my shoulders. Thanks again for coming and chatting and and bringing all that interesting information in. Good to be here, Jimmy. And thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au and if you haven't already done so you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher or your favourite podcatcher just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W click on subscribe and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying thanks again talk to you again next week